I like to think about it sort of relationally in the concept or sort of way of an addition equation when so many people look at it as a subtraction sort of zero sum of like if I exert sort of influence on my environment or others around me and say that, you know, this works for me or is preferable or it's within my limits, that gets to count just in the same way that somebody else does. And so it's adding not a subtraction, like, well, their needs or their desires and preferences minus mine equals zero. So if they have some, mine can't have any because I'm already at more than zero. It's troubling. I I don't want our listeners to feel bad about self-care. Like, hey, you have permission. Use this episode as a wake-up call to investigate, to explore, to get curious about self-care, and maybe more so taking stock of how you have or have not done self-care for you because this is me and Marielle giving you permission. You have permission to self-care. It's required. It's necessary. Don't not do it. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. If you have specific questions or concerns, we encourage you to consult a health professional in your local area. From Changelog Media, this is Brain Science, a podcast for the curious. We're exploring the inner workings of the human brain to understand behavior change, habit formation, mental health, and what it means to be human. It's brain science applied, not just how does the brain work, but how do we apply what we know about the brain to transform our lives? I'm Adam Stachowiak. And I'm Dr. Marielle Reese. Good morning, Adam. How are you? I am trying to do well. <laughs> I love that. Trying to do well. Aren't we all these <laughs> days? <laughs> Just trying really hard to do well. Hey, I showed up. Isn't that what matters? That is what matters. Yeah, I think showing up is, is uh, it's like G.I. Joe is half the battle. It is. And yet I think it's really hard, harder, dare I say, nowadays than what it was once upon a time prior to, you know, pandemic life. Yeah. Pandemic life is, is kind of weird. It really is because it's like, am I crazy? We've kind of been doing this for a while. Is it normal? Is it not normal? And it's not normal, but it's normal. And then it depends. Like we talk internationally to people. So people in New Zealand are still dealing with things, but people in, in other countries are not dealing with it as much. So it's like, maybe we're crazy. Maybe we're not. But we're not crazy because it's the data says so. Right. Well, and I definitely here in the U.S., things are highly varied amidst states and cities and counties. But I think the thing that is, you know, common as a thread throughout all is just things are are still different. Yeah. And when mm-hmm. things are different, it means we have to adjust, either accommodate or we resist the accommodation. And then that too has other effects. Well, I, I can tell you one thing that uh, it's certainly given me a new perspective on our exact topic, self-care, and a, a, a better appreciation of it. Because never have I needed to really steep myself in self-care and understand it more so for me than now. Because of all the moving objects and moving targets of life just naturally and then now you throw in pandemic life, as you'd said, to use your words back to you, like more so now to understand what self-care is, what it means to me and how I fail or succeed at it. But kind of getting back to habits and creating loops and expectations for myself and even understanding my own desires like this kind of life now makes me appreciate it and want to understand it and do it more often and have a system for deploying it in my life. Yeah, I would say that there's a different sort of way in which we all can benefit from being more deliberate. And that's challenging because that requires forethought, right? Like not just what's on my list today because, you know, just many less things are automated in the way in which they were, you know, earlier this year. 
And so figuring out how to be purposeful about our Mm. days in ways which incorporate our sort of idiosyncratic preferences. Yeah, it it takes I like your your idea of forethought. It does take a lot of forethought to not just check off like what's on my list today, but what's tomorrow or next week like? Cuz I feel like if you're behind the ball and maybe even phoning it in in some case cuz like you're just overwhelmed or you're just lonely or just tired of dealing with all the things we've had to deal with, you know, that maybe maybe you're not really thinking about tomorrow next week as much. Maybe you're just like, I got to get through today. And to have that that intention mindset, it takes looking at tomorrow next week and the month after. And we've kind of just been dealing with the balls as they roll to us, essentially. Right. And so that sense of uncertainty or lack of predictability is exactly what contributes to the challenges, both psychologically and emotionally. Because like we've talked about before, you know, how we see things has to do with what we focus on. And so I can be looking at or trying to navigate all of the sort of pop-ups that come up each day or each week and just trying to hit them all, as opposed to utilizing a strategy that's like, hey, I'm only going to hit the third pop-up or I'm going to have a strategy around the fielding, the unexpected things that come my way, as well as myself. Because look, we all don't, you know, want the same things or the same things don't feel good or sort of nourishing to Mm -hmm. each and every one of us. And that's why I think this conversation is so valuable. Well, I like the the aspect of nourishment too, right? Like what's the point of eating food? Right. (laughs) Well, one, it emotionally satisfies me, of course, (laughs) But it's got to be nourishing. And I think that's what we got to think about, you know, as we talk about thoughts in our brain. Like, what kind of thoughts do we want to grow in our brain? I saw something on Instagram, I think recently, from Dr. Hyman or somebody else that, like, talks about brain stuff, essentially, because I pay attention to that. And they said, what kind of thoughts do you want to plant in your brain? And are they the kind of thoughts you would want to put in a vase? So similar to the way you display flowers, you know, I think about this with self-care even, like, How do you put things into your life that are nourishing, that are valuable, that are fruitful, et cetera? Yes, that is so, so well said. Because again, I have to be, you know, protective around the soil that I'm working within, right? And so if I'm going to even share with other people or give them access to what's going on and sort of my own New York City ticker, of thoughts. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Would I want that to be broadcast or, you know, how might I want to change that? Yeah. So before we get too much further in, I want to make sure that people are like, well, okay, Mary Ellen Adam, what is self-care? Right? Right. Yes. (laughs) Define it, please. I love it. I'm so grateful for resources. Like, so the World Health Organization actually defines self-care as Quote, the ability of individuals, families, and communities to promote health, prevent disease, maintain health, and to cope with illness and disability with, I thought this was fascinating, with or without the support of a healthcare provider. Yeah. Especially that part with, uh, even the with is, is nice too, because a healthcare provider is often a partner in health. Right. Sometimes people go to a doctor or a healthcare provider in this term as like, you're the fixer. You fix me. You do all the work. But it requires the commingling of desires, I suppose. You know, this collaboration towards maintaining health, preventing disease, promoting health, et cetera. But the without is awesome too because that means that this is something we can do on our own and maybe even defined by us because of what we know about us or maybe even more so, who we want to be. Yeah, and so I love this. The uh, World Health Organization goes on to say, inherent in the concept of self-care, that is, is the recognition that whatever factors and processes may determine behavior and whether or not self-care is effective and interfaces appropriately with professional care, it is the individual person who acts or does not act to preserve health or respond to his symptoms. 
Mm-hmm. Remember that choice thing? <laughs> that choice episode we talked about as our superpower? Right. Yes, your choice is your superpower. <laughs> yeah, and that it, it's so broad. And I think there's a lot of people who misunderstand what is involved in self-care because I would offer one of the misconceptions as like, it's self-indulgence. Right, or I'm selfish for doing it, or it costs I a lot of money. Time, right? Money, time, like all the costs, right? All yeah. the necessary resources that are consumed with it. You know, even your own mind, like focusing on what you want versus others. Yeah, and it's interesting, even that, like selfish, right? Because you're judging it, right? And going like, man, you know who who buys a home and is like, I should totally not take care of this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, how, how true, how true. That is, I'm going to spend so much money and then totally disregard it. Right, just let it go downhill, dilapidated. It's, it's like, ugh, yeah. I wow. would be so selfish to like clean my house and like manage all that's within it. No one would say that, right? Yes. And yet our bodies and our brains, like, this is what we've got. This is our home, so to speak. Mind, body, and soul reside in this physical body. And so it's not crazy or absurd. However, a lot of people have feelings about tending to or caring for themselves in a helpful way. I might actually say it's selfish to not care for it. Yeah. Because think about the responsibility you have to others, right? Like, so people depend upon you personally. You, the proverbial listener, depend upon me. And so if I'm just like not taking care of me, then I'm not, I can't be me for the people who rely upon me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think like we were like hitting on the point of be, if it being misunderstood or that there's this, you know, it it's uh, inappropriate to some degree to care about yourself. Yeah. I like to think about it sort of relationally in the concept or sort of way of an addition equation when so many people look at it as a subtraction sort of zero sum of like if I exert sort of influence on my environment or others around me and say that you know this works for me or is preferable or it's within my limits that gets to count just in the same way that somebody else does and so it's adding not a subtraction, like, well, their needs or their desires and preferences minus mine equals zero. So if they have some, mine can't have any because I'm already at more than zero. It's troubling. I, I don't want our listeners to feel bad about self-care. Like, hey, you have permission. Use this episode as a wake-up call to investigate, to explore, to get curious about self-care, and maybe more so taking stock of how you have or have not done self-care for you because this is me and Marielle giving you permission. You have permission to self-care. It's required. It's necessary. Don't not do it. Right. And so Dr. Wayne Jonas, who's an integrative health expert and family physician at Samuli Integrative Health Programs, noted that research shows that the core aspects of self-care contribute to 60 to 70% of the chronic diseases we know in this world. Isn't that crazy? And he said, and this was in an article in Healthline, most people understand what the basics are that they need to do in order to be healthy, or in some case, even reverse illness. And they also understand that it's not easy to do. So they need help in that area. And that's why this conversation is so important. Yeah. So there's it seems like there's like this edge of self-care where like it's almost required to push back on that metric, that 60 to 70% of chronic diseases that can be sort of prevented or kind of fine-tuned based upon like correctly doing or actually even doing self-care. So there's – it seems like there's some self-care that's sort of like needed but some that just like help you be better. And I don't know how to define that. Like it seems like maybe Dr. Jonas is saying that there's some that are very core in his case – to quote him, core aspects of self-care. So like there's some core self-care that's sort of like, these are the ones, if you're going to do them, you do these and you're going to push back on that metric. Yeah, well, if we can sort of categorize these, you know, in three different sort of lanes, thinking about self-care from the perspective of emotional self-care, like self-talk, 
setting, sustaining sort of limits, parameters, knowing like saying no when you need to because you it's too much for you at this point in time versus physical self-care, like prioritizing sleep, looking at exercise, right? Healthy, nourishing foods, not just like foods, but actually foods your body and your brain know how to process. And then spiritual self-care. So, and in this, we can sort of talk about spiritual self-care, like, you know, tending to your soul, like what things feed you, but also an extension of like, do you have spiritual or religious beliefs that act as additional sort of support because to some degree they provide meaning and, you know, give back, right? Mm-hmm. This speaks to your identity. Mm-hmm. In, in many ways, that's what spiritual really is. Like, I am who I am. I know who I am because I have these beliefs, whichever way you fall upon those beliefs. Right. And so even thinking about spiritual from the perspective of acts of gratitude or being kind to other people, like volunteering, you know, these things are giving in a way in which you don't expect a response. Mm -hmm. I know we don't have a list of these, but what do you think Dr. Jonas is getting at when he says the core aspects of self-care? Like, is there, is there a definitive list that's out there that you're aware of that's sort of like while we may have categorized them, they're not very specific into like, okay, well, these are the things you do to push back on that metric in particular, but then maybe just ones that just help you be better, you know, like sleeping or taking a bath that's, you know, meditative or a long shower for thinking. Like we've talked about some of these things in aspects of just performance, but not so much self-care, which are kind of the same in a way, I suppose. Well, I would say there's similarities or overlap, you know, and There's tons of lists and ideas. I mean, we can walk through some of those for sure. But if you're thinking about it, you know, from a broad perspective, looking at the foundations, right? Like the sleeping is pretty important. Right. (laughs) The eating is pretty important. And the exercise or sort of, and, and when I say exercise, I'm meaning just not being sedentary, like movement, walking, get up, have some activity, walk up a hill those kinds of things, right? And then anything above and beyond that is is by all means bonus. So getting your heart rate up in, mm-hmm. in different ways. But that's sort of like, if we look at our body as our house, right? Like what are, we, we need a good foundation to, to start with. And if we're not doing those sort of fundamentals, it makes all the other things that much more challenging, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if I don't eat food, I'm gonna have a hard time doing my day, period. In the same way, if I didn't put gas in my car, I'd have a hard time driving my car anywhere. So given your analogy of why would I buy a home, expensive mortgage, payments, debt, typically for most people, some people buy their homes outright and own them, which is awesome. Um, why do you think people would do that, that to go on that analogy – and not care for the thing. Like, what is it that keeps people from caring for themselves, given how important, you know, this body is, this mind is, this soul is to me to be me? Well, I think what you're getting at is sort of some of the barriers there are to doing it and going, you know, in part, it's, I would say, access or knowledge, right? One of the things that um, Dr. Jonas said was that like even physicians, 38% of physicians that they knew what to do to help people, help patients make self-help changes. Like these are supposed to be the experts, right? right? And going, what do you do if you want to be healthier and make changes? And yet only 38% said they knew what to do. And I think that's true for a lot of us. If I, if I don't know what to do, or I have a sort of presumption or assumption that says, hey, it's got to cost me a lot of money. Like I need to go have a massage every week in order to take care of myself. Well, I don't have the money to do that. Or I need to go on vacation. I need thousands of dollars to do that. So a misconception, misunderstanding is one of the, the most significant barriers. Because if I think it costs a lot, that I might not have the means to do it or the desire with other competing needs. Also time too. Yeah. 
you know, for sure. as a resource. Some people just skip it because I'm like, you know what? I don't have time to take care of me. Could you imagine? I mean, I say that, so I'm not like, I feel bad even saying it and joking about it, like, or laughing because I say that too. Like, I don't have time to take care of me as well as I want to. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, in the last month or two, I've only gotten out the mountain bike a couple of times. And like, that truly bums me out. But like, you would think that somehow, some way I would make time if it was that important to me. And so then you kind of get into this spiral of like, well, I don't know how to describe it. But like, I don't prioritize me enough. This is that important to me. Or I realize how how well I feel afterwards, mentally, physically, you know, the aspect of nature, the reconnection of, you know, all the things I love about mountain biking. Yet, while I understand how important it is to me, one is an enjoyment factor, then two, the benefits of, I'm not getting out there as often. Right. And so with that, I would say, going back to what we mentioned at the beginning about being deliberate or purposeful, like it is so easy. Just like if we're not anchored, a boat will tend to sort of float in a direction. So will we. We will just move according to other pressures. And when we drift, it's like, oh, shoot, how to get what, what, what? I'm where? I didn't mean to. (laughs) Yes. And so it's the slow drift. And unless I'm purposeful and planning to go, this is what my tomorrow is going to look like, or here's how I can incorporate these things. I mean, what if I were to challenge you, Adam, and saying, hey, before I see you again to do this podcast, I want you to get out on your bike one time. Mm -hmm. Could you do that? Yeah. And so I think it's a, it's a matter of making time. So some people say, going back to the time aspect, it's like, well, you do have the time. Theoretically, I guess if you break down life experiences in that moment, maybe you have less because you're kind of, you have less margin to play with. And maybe that margin is utilized for a temporary time frame, you know, for whatever reason. I would say if I had to, I could probably carve out some time and prioritize it. Right. And so with that, then being accountable in some way, like I just did, did you to you. Yeah. yeah. That I'm going to ask you next week and be like, did Great. you do it? <laughs> Great. All right. The gauntlet has been thrown. <laughs> because accountability helps us. You know, if I have to attest to someone else, like, yes, I did what I said I was going to do. It just helps us support when we might be weak. So mm-hmm. this gets into sort of how do I do it and what does that look like? And going, hey, I didn't tell him how many minutes or where he needed to bike. I just said he needed to get on his bike before I see him next week. That's that's actually too easy. I could ride around the, the neighborhood, but that's <laughs> right? not what I consider a bike ride. So it wouldn't be good enough for me. I would have to go out into the woods on the trails, hit some jumps, hit some berms. And really enjoy a bike ride. And welcome to what you just identified as another barrier. Mm. And that is our own self-expectations. Right. Getting it right. Doing it right. Doing it well enough. I, it has to look like Adam's way or it doesn't count. You know, and that's actually true because people who mountain bike tend to have different flavors. They'll BMX. They'll road bike even though they don't want to admit it because roadies are not as cool. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) You know, but yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I've got one way I do it. The way I enjoy most is mountain biking, getting out on the trails. So for me, if I can't do it, and that's part of me is like an all or nothing. Uh, If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. You know, this perfectionism, back to that episode, you know, go back and we'll link to that. And this is why sort of with yourself and having some time for self-reflection is so important because knowing like, Hey, I'm not going to sign off on that as counting as adequate because it has to be done to my level of expectation. And so there might need to be a little bit of recalibration internally around these expectations to go, you know, Hey, Adam, something is better than no thing. And the other reason with that is because by going out and doing or whatever the action or activity is, And even if it isn't to your sort of standards, you now actually have the real-time data. And if you didn't meet it, there should Mm -hmm. be a lingering desire to return because you're like, man, I didn't get enough. 
I want to do more of that. And so it cultivates that sense of craving for repetition. Mm. Yes. Like I need it. I want it. So that is my motivation that drives me to prioritize it, schedule it, do it, plan for it, essentially make time. There, there usually is always time. There usually is always time. There is. And this is why what you value in recognizing these things is so important because I can tell you after years of working out, like it, I just don't mess around. Like I, it's on my calendar every day. I, I don't even question if I'm going to, it's just what workout am I going to do? Because I know that I'm going to show up differently in the world if I haven't done that. Mm-hmm. And that could be anything from like a yoga and it could be 15 minutes to an hour or more or just walking with, you know, by myself or with my family. All of those things are nourishing for different reasons. And, And I have preferences as based on other stressors going on in my life that I'll be like, I need to do X, Y, or Z. Well, as we said before, I made the G.I. Joe reference in regards to what you had said, but just showing up is literally half the battle. Yeah. Just show up. And I I heard Jason Freed, who is one of the co-founders of Basecamp, say a long time ago in a different context, but he was talking about momentum and and just sort of like finishing or doing something. You know, it, uh, it sort of steam rolls or snowballs or whichever one metaphor makes sense to you. Essentially momentum Once you kind of get a little bit of inertia, Mm -hmm. more things happen to sort of get it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is why sort of the having the self-awareness and opportunity for reflection, like, you know, that's something you could schedule in your day of going at what point in the day do I actually step back and examine myself and look at things so that I can incorporate feedback to make things different or put me back on the trajectory that I want to go. Yeah. It sounds a lot like this borderlines on habit formation. You know, we want to understand self-care and the importance of it and the health benefits of it and the permission to do so, but it to, to sort of sustain it, to sort of get it into your life is like understanding habits, the habit loop, motivation, you know, productivity to some degree, if that's the case. Because to to put these things into your life consistently, you've got to want it, and you're only going to do it if you understand how to like how to like hack habits. Yeah, this is so true, Adam. I'm because it brings up the point of these sort of how self how can you qualify self care? Like, how do you know? Like, is this self care for me? And does it that, make me feel good? That's my qualification. Do I feel good when I do it? When I'm done? Did I need it to have a healthy brain? Joy. <laughs> Does it bring you joy? Joy, like, okay. Right? Like I I work out because it does make me feel good. Like my best ideas and sort of thinking and productivity is after I exercise because it's like, let's do this. I'm, I'm excited. I feel like I can tackle the day because of having done that. And so in the same way, other things like spending time with my family or spending time by myself, either or, and, you know, for me, like one of the big things is being by water. So huge plus that I'm in the Northwest where there's right. lots of water. So if we say we're, we're do it for the joy or because it brings us joy, mm-hmm. the definition of joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. Yep. And so what you're saying without saying it is we want to optimize for happy happiness that maybe even a happy brain or happy body, or happy, I don't know where you would sort of plant this at in terms of my physical being, but a happiness in me brings health, enjoyment, et cetera. Yeah, and so I would even get real nuanced around happiness and joy because I would differentiate happiness as more of a a positive emotional experience that can be more susceptible to change quicker as opposed to joy, which is a more deep, like sort of, abiding, enduring emotional state. Like I can be joyful and have joy Mm -hmm. without a sense of happiness. And part of that comes from like, I know the long-term payouts. Like I know, you know, part of, you know, even going to graduate school for psychology was around joy. Like it wasn't always happy or fun, 
but it had so much meaning um, that that was significant for me to endure all the other things. And and that's what kept me going. I'm going to quote you from a recent episode, episode 27. Uh, we were talking about something like this, but it was like this, the joy. Sometimes there's pain and there's endurance involved in it. And uh, I'll try to give as much context as I can, but you basically said, so it just makes me curious then to think about, you know, well, what is our goal? What is your goal? And is it worth it to endure whatever pain comes alongside or with that goal to endure it to get there? And so this, maybe it's this joy aspect and, you know, understanding where you're trying to get to. We, we have said before, what are you optimizing for and what is your goal essentially is, is saying that. There's this pain that comes with it, this endurance that comes with it. But if you can sort of focus on that joy aspect of it, well, then that's self-care. And that's what you should be focusing on. But is it worth it? That's the hard thing is like habits and getting them into your life is like, is it worth it to endure the pain to get there? Sure. And so I think about that, like, you know, eating habits of like, you know, it, it can feel painful possibly to not have what I want to eat at the time I want to eat it. Like I want the cake, I want the chocolate, I want the non-nourishing immediate hit sort of feel good. Like I want the temporary fix as opposed to the enduring and biting, abiding sense of like nourishment, right? Because there's this internal sense of satisfaction that comes with caring for ourselves, right? I mean, going back to our, our analogy of the house, like, I mean, it kind of feels good when you the lawn is well manicured, cared for, like you've put it, you've decorated it or sort of put up things that are reflective of you. Mm-hmm. And so it it conjures up this feeling of like, yeah, I yeah. like coming home and I want to come home and abide within this that I created and cultivated. You made me think about wastefulness then. So to not self-care is being wasteful. Or in this case, like, you know, to use the house analogy, if you bought a house and you didn't care for it, that's wasteful, <laughs> right? Like that's the part that doesn't bring you joy. Like you're like, man, I've let this house go. It's in a terrible state now. And you know, maybe there's some sorrow or sadness that, and maybe even uh, like uh, self-masochism where you're like hurting yourself in some way, not so much physically, but like emotionally because of this. Like you've, you've let this thing go and it's wasteful. Yeah. And so, you know, this is, I think about it in terms of being wise and going, you know, it's not going to be the same for all people. And so if I have the resources, for example, I could finish the project by that time, or I could, you know, do this other commitment, but it's going to have other negative consequences. Like it's still going to cost me something in the same way, not caring for my body, my home, my life, you know, is, you know, wasteful and inconsiderate, really. It really is, yeah. I mean, it's not smart, let's just say, to buy a home, to use this analogy further. It's not smart to, to all the things that go into it. It isn't just simply the, the financial aspect of it. It's the thought process. It's the hunting process of it that all the people involved in helping you buy that home like how much waste would have been involved not just simply the house itself and the dollars involved and maybe your happiness because you've let it go but everybody else involved in the process the people that spent all that time building it to making it the home it should be to be secure to be the roof of your head you know and so like all this work went into making you you Regardless yeah. of your religious background or how you feel you came into being, if it's just a happy accident, you believe in God or whatever. But like for some reason you were made and you are here. So don't waste you. Yeah, I love that. You know, in research, there was identify the number of participants in the research as a variable of N. And I always tell people because my background in seeing looking at research studies like you're an N of one, one. Like there isn't a, another copy of you. There is no other you. And so I want you to do you so that you show up in the world in the only way in which you can. And then linking that over with community of like nobody gets where they want to go and really fulfills, I would say, sort of what they were designed to without 
community. Mm. So having respect for, and maybe this is how people get the buy-in to start practicing this is going, it doesn't just affect me. Like for example, when I take on too many responsibilities, you know, and which is why I'm also grateful for my board of advisors, like my husband, who is like, Marielle, no, like you cannot do more. I'm like, but I want, I want to, and it would be really helpful, like for my kids or school or for, you know, the community. And he's like, what are, okay, then tell me what you're going to give up so that you can do that other thing. Because the negative effect is going to trickle down to my family in ways in which, you know, I might not, or we have decided that is not valuable to us in the same sort of way. Yeah. I like that. To to do something, you have to give something up. Well, it shows that you understand your resources, what you're capable of dealing with and handling individually and how that affects your family. And uh, maybe even this idea of margin. We've talked about that before individually. There's a book called Margin. I've only read one chapter. It was on finances and I had to put it down because it was too truthful. <laughs> it beat me up really bad. I do plan to go back to it, but I, I understand the concept of margin. And, you know, so, so too often are we just operating at full utilization Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think this is what it has driven our conversation today is recognizing that our time right now, that people just have far less margin than they ever have because of multiple stressors and limitations. And so given that context, how can you make prudent choices that help you still show up in the best way that you possibly can and, you know, cope? Because that's the other part of this is, if going, if I don't have my healthcare provider, I don't have support, like how do I cope with aversive things or things that exert additional pressure that I don't like? Mm -hmm. It's tough. So, it is. It's tough. <laughs> it is. But, you know, coping doesn't necessarily mean like white knuckling or, you know, it also doesn't mean like I'm, I'm you know, crushing it every day. But coping is like, I do have a little margin. I have a little buffer. I might like more, but I'm not sort of diminishing what I do have. And, you know, one of the things that I think that's interesting in that this was published, this was a research study that was published in JAMA Network Open back in May of 2019, said having a strong life purpose is actually associated with decreased mortality rates. And so, going, what is your, per ask yourself this question with, within like, how, how do I cope is related to what is my purpose? What mm. makes me get out of bed each day? What gives me a sense of fulfillment and meaning so that I can endure the abrasiveness of life these days? You almost have to ask yourself, what do I want to be doing at 90? Because that's <laughs> yeah. reverse engineering, right? Or, or I'm not saying 90 is the age I want to live to or whatever, but like some somewhere beyond like the norm, you know, mm -hmm. wherever that might be. If I'm there, if I'm there now, like if I can sort of like see that future or even have some sort of forethought about what I might want to do. Do I want to be walking with a cane or with assistive, you know, assistive devices or whatever, or walking at all in a wheelchair or whatever it might be like, how do I want to be? Who do mm -hmm. I want to be around? How do I want to be with them? I think about for me is is my wife and kids. Like totally. Not like what do I want to do with like professionally or money in the bank. It's not about those things at all. It's about like who do I want to be for the people that I know and love and love me the most? Yeah. Because that's that's my purpose. Like, how can I be that person for them at that time? Yeah. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I think about sort of even for my life, significant life events which have influenced me to make decisions to get me to that. And so this is why going everyone is an individual. And so looking back and saying, what have I been through that would affect or influence where I want to get to? So a huge contributing factor for me with sort of managing my physical body actually has to do with being injured as an adolescent with a pretty severe um, back injury, which constricted my life for quite some time. And then, you know, going, okay, I really need to care for and manage, you know, my weight and have a strong core, which was reiterated to me post children to go, all right, Marielle, you need to start to navigate this because I don't want to have back pain 
for the rest of my life because I I know, <laughs> I know back pain. And that is not a way that is fun to live routinely. So maybe the the homework might be for our audience is like, what is that for you? Yeah. So as we describe something as simple seemingly as self-care, one, giving you permission to be curious about it and to find ways to put it into your life and understand its relevance and need, I suppose, requirement based upon uh, Dr. Jonas's study and uh, that data that he pulled back. But, you know, kind of project to your life, like, where do you want to be? Yeah. Who do you want to be then for whomever? And this is why going, like, what's your buy-in? Because that's what that is. Is like that's when I look at me, yeah. Yeah, like that's my like happiness. That's going, okay, I'm going to en- endure this sort of abrasiveness or suck of this because it takes me on the trajectory or the location that I want to be at, you know, like- Here's interesting research again out of the JAMA Network Open. This was published in March of 2019 that said people who exercise between two and eight hours per week throughout their lives reduce their risk of dying by 29 to 36%. Or dying early, not yeah. dying generally. Yeah, yes. Because you're going right. to die. Correct. But that earlier, because it's about moving yeah. and maneuvering and keeping cardiovascular like systems in the same way move into a house. I never have the HVAC system looked at. It it just works. And I never, ever, ever imagine that that's going to go awry. Yeah. Well, going back to me quoting you from episode 27, is it worth it? Right. For me, when I think about that time, mm-hmm. that's worth it to me to endure whatever's necessary today. Right. But it's hard to keep that sort of that goalpost in mind every single time the pain comes around or the resilience is is necessary or I have to endure whatever. So I have to keep reminding myself like what what purpose, what's your life purpose? My life purpose might be, I'm going to, I'm going to examine it no more. I think in this moment, I'm thinking like that to me is my life purpose is like to be whomever I need to be at that time for my people Mm -hmm. and whatever today is stopping me from doing that. I've got to, I've got to understand how it's pulling me away from succeeding at that goal. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so I want you guys to be aware when we're looking at what are some of these barriers that make it harder for me, and what things help sort of trip me into doing the things that take me where I want to go. You know, recognizing that emotional self care, sort of caring for how we feel can be a little harder than physical care because there's a little possible stigma from society or acceptance around it, right? I mean, if uh, if you were to tell your boss, like, hey, I'm just taking an emotional wellness day, they might have a different response than, hey, I need to go to the doctor, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate, but going, you know, that doesn't mean you don't need it because someone else doesn't give you, give it credence because it, it still has credibility because you know, you live in your body. That's right. What's when you know you're getting to that, you know, limited margin zone, you know, and ask yourself, what are my sort of indicators? Like I love it when I I have realized this over the years and I think I've shared this on other episodes that like when a seemingly simple task feels like overwhelming, like I can't do it, like I can't fill out a basic like paperwork, it's like Marielle. Yeah. <laughs> back, back off. Let it go, set it aside and come back to it because you just can't process it right now. And so then you just develop a strategy around buffering it as opposed to avoiding it or not doing it or shaming or belittling yourself relative to your inability to complete it as you expect yourself to do so, right? Yeah. So the other thing in sort of caring for sort of our brain, body, soul is really caring for your community. And going, in what way are your sort of, you know, family, friendships, extended community that you're a part of, like, how can you still interface with them in a way that is meaningful to you and sort of giving back maybe without expectation or receipt of other giving back to you? Mm. So self-care is is caring for others too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But recognizing- how you do it is valuable, right? Yeah. I mean, so 
going. It might be, I don't know, you volunteer at a local soup kitchen or you go sort of um, to a nursing home or hospital. You know, there's sometimes obstacles or sort of um, routes that you need to, you know, adhere to or work within to do those. But you can also, you know, the Starbucks pay it forward and just pay for the next person. Like what, I love this question, right? And we talk about this a lot with, if you want to sort of change how you function in your life and in the world, it's asking more questions. Mm -hmm. And so what's in your hand? What is in your hand that you have that someone else could benefit from? If you're, you know, really sort of constricted around time, I probably wouldn't try to give more time to other people or your community in that way. But do you have other like financial means? I don't know. Like asking yourself, like what's in your hand? What are your strengths? What are you drawn to sort of support? And how might you then go about supporting the organization or community in that way? Be generous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. When we give without sort of expectation of receiving something back, it just has a different qualitative feel and it further enhances that sense of meaning and social connection. Social connection, and and this I think is another aspect of self-care that's really challenging right now because our connections are restricted differently than what they were six months ago. Right. Self-care might be hanging out with a friend or two and actually laughing in the same room. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, not latent on Zoom or FaceTime or phone call or whatever it might be, you know, in real time with no latency and you can see and enjoy their laugh. Laughing is such a big, such a big deal. Like I laughed really hard about a week ago and I was like, wow, that's the first time I've laughed really hard in a few weeks at least. Or mm-hmm. maybe more. And I was like, that feels good. I like that. Why Why don't I laugh more often? Like, I know we we definitely laugh often, but like that was like a, I can't help it, belly laugh kind of thing. Like, wow, big laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. it's so true. And, and even just smiling, you know, for, for me, that's part of why I do this podcast is like, I just, it makes me happy. I want to give back and give people access to resources and information they might not have known. Mm -hmm. She smiles a lot during the show. You can't see her, but she does. (laughs) One of these days, maybe we'll, we'll include video in some way that you can see. (laughs) But so getting practical and going, what do, what do we do? So I want you to imagine that uh, you could, there's so many sort of resources online with self-care ideas and we'll post them in the show notes for you guys. But I want you to literally create your own self-care plan. Like what things speak to you? Look, Think about your past, look online, like what sort of ignites you in a way that you want to sort, you have more energy at the end of that time spent than where you started before that. And then write it down, put it on an index card, put it on your screen, put it as a screensaver, like in what way, get it in your visual field or a way in which you have access to it so that you can reference it and modify it. And so you're going to actually schedule the time to then do it. (laughs) When am I going to incorporate these? When is my optimal time throughout the day? And what is my, I love this, um, sort of ice, in case of emergency, break glass sort of thing. What is my self-care plan when I've I've tipped over and I need emergency intervention? All too often, we uh, we do the things on our calendar. Right. Right, like how, how novel of an idea is that? Like I put it on my calendar and I prioritize it. Yeah, I love this. One of the things from a good friend of mine that shared because she's very type A, and likes to complete her list that she would literally put read book (laughs) on her list. And, you know, this is one as life has slowed and changed a bit. Like I, I've mentioned, I like to read, but I often read nonfiction or other sort of brain-based books. And so I started reading fiction Mm. because it's like, it's a little sort of hiatus. It, it doesn't have to be for a certain amount of time, but it's a little escape when I'm still present around other people I love and care about. 
Yeah. The accountability thing too, like even calendaring can be accountability in the fact that sometimes it might include others. And so you can invite them mm-hmm. to the, to that calendar item, you know, mm-hmm. and letting down a friend is a bummer, you know, like the last few times I've gotten out, out the ride to use that ex- as an example was because I had a commitment to somebody else too, not just me. Yep. And we've talked about this in other shows to go, what's the best friend test? If this were my best friend, what would I tell them to do or how would I respond to them? Yeah. And let that be true for you as well. Yeah. Look, we're always learning and growing and that's really what we hope for all of you as well. And that when you recognize that there's a problem or constraint that you don't simply get fixated on the what associated with the challenge, like what challenge, and then ruminate around that, but rather examine the how. What is the workaround and the way in which you can get other support, be it people or resources that help you buffer that challenge so that you can come out ahead on the other side in a way that really is tailored to you. So give us feedback. We always love to hear from you guys. And until next time. That's it for this episode of Brain Science. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. Comments are always open. And more importantly, we want you to join the community. We have a Slack community. Lots of people are in there and you are welcome. You can go to changelog.com slash community to learn more and register. It's totally free. Hope to see you in Slack. And of course, thank you to our partners who get it fastly, Linode and Rollbar. They have our back and we appreciate that. Also, thanks to Breakmaster Cylinder for making all of our beats. And last but not least, one of the best ways you can support this show is directly supporting us via ChangeLaw++. Learn more at changelaw.com slash plus plus. We'd love to have you as a member. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week.